0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Fandom Analytics Podcast, brought to you by the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. We're going to, in the next couple weeks, continue with our NFL Fandom Countdown. Doug, at number 15, and this is a team that has been angry with me at the past, but you know <laughs> what? back when we first started these countdowns this club was very much near the bottom, and boy, they like to tell me that they had the record for being the loudest stadium on record. Now, I think the pushback would be, we've been the best team in the NFL for the last I don't know, three, four years five years, perhaps, and so how can you rank the Kansas City Chiefs
1: at number 15? Well, I we should do a ranking of just decibel levels that like a totally, maybe not a fandom rankings, just a stadium most, most intimidating atmosphere ranking. I know like my alma mater, Georgia caught a lot of flack for not being an intimidating <laughs> environment. Somebody came out publicly. I think a former Tennessee player and said it just, it was like playing at a library or something. And then people took <laughs> it really, people took it really personally. So that's like another, fans take a lot of pride in creating an environment that's unlike any other environment and hey, i think kansas city is one of those fan bases did he say it was like playing in an sec conference library <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> okay
1: yeah uh, where okay. nobody's where nobody's studying and everybody's like <laughs> socializing. okay so
0: here's the, deal. here's the deal with the chiefs so you know at least, as i've said these rankings control for the the market and they control for the team success. And so that's where the Chiefs end up having a little bit of a problem. So the Chiefs are going to Super Bowls regularly. They're winning you know, 12, 13 games pretty much every season. Yeah. But if you look at the numbers, they're still ranked 14th in the NFL or actually 15th in the NFL in terms of social media following and very much mid-range pricing. So they are very much in a brand equity building phase but they're a middle of the road fandom in terms of the marketing metrics. And yeah, and I understand the I understand the anger coming from Kansas City.
1: Well, they are on the rise though. And we talk yep. all the time about how sustained success in terms of championships is what builds like long-term loyalty, long-term fandom in the NFL. If the Chiefs keep it up, I mean, they're they're on pace to crack the top 10. For a franchise that was, what, in the 20s a couple years ago? I mean, they were toward the bottom of the league. They were bottom five when we started these things. So Yeah, so I mean, they're doing what it takes to build that long-term, sustainable success. If I'm being being a little bit of a jerk about it, the one question I have is, does
0: Patrick Mahomes have the charisma to put them into that truly elite class? Like if it was Joe Burrow or Aaron Rodgers, one of these guys that is – you know, commercial or marketing magic, no doubt about it. No but question. If another couple of Super Bowls, do they get to the top ten? You know, that might be about the, the that might be about their ceiling with the the program that they have.
1: I agree. Okay, it's, it, it's kind of weird to look at who they're behind, though. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> so at number fourteen on the list, and this is the key that we're controlling for things like winning right and so number 14 on the list you have the Houston Texans okay but the, here's the here's where it comes down to you know really digging into the numbers the chiefs chiefs are probably going to win 13 games next year right doug 12 13 yeah,
1: 14 games. it's it's almost a guarantee as long deep as everybody's it's
0: going to be a deep playoff run maybe to another Super Bowl, could be another Super Bowl victory. The Texans, last three seasons, have won four games, four games, and three games. Both teams have about the same pricing power. They're very similar in terms of the tickets they charge. That's now, Houston is, a, Houston is a bigger market, but at the end of the day, is it's... That, is that
1: before adjusting for cost of living?
0: What I use is median income. Okay. Okay, so to get at the affluence. And you know what?
1: In some ways, I'm having the ticket happy- prices are similar very for for, adjusted for median income.
0: Well, no median. I mean, I don't want to go into the stats, but median income is a control variable in the model. Now I will say that in some ways, if I'm going to point to a flaw in the way I do this, it's probably median income is probably not a great way to do this. And this is probably getting really boring, really quick. It's (laughs) the key number is like the number of people that make over a hundred K or over 150 or over 200 K in a, market because those are the groups that are really in the sweet spot for being able to afford NFL season tickets because frankly th- this is not a middle middle-class product anymore
1: yeah I think that's fair it's just wild to me the Texans it's like they're a new team they are they the newest team in the NFL I think they not, go back oh I mean not including the Rams and Chargers yeah, I I think that might be I think that might be the case. I mean, they're relatively new and they've had like zero success. Like, have they won a playoff game ever? That's I don't like remember. Cool. I don't know uh, that they have. Yeah, I mean, when you look up their their all-time
0: leading passer is Matt Schwab. I thought you were going to say Carr. Well, I, you know, it, it, they're I mean, their all-time great player is JJ Watt. It's yeah. thin. It's thin. And so there isn't a lot of, but at the end of the day, you know, look, the number, ESPN has them 19th in attendance in the NFL. That doesn't sound great. But again, that's for last year when they won four games.
1: Yeah, it's almost amazing that anyone's going to those games. They must have an awesome stadium and in well, between quarters entertainment going on over there in Houston.
0: Well, and, and what it might be, right, is that in Texas, football is the king and- that's true and you know hope is playing a key role in all this right got to have those season tickets because well who's the quarterback for the
1: texans this year cj stroud so okay i mean so there's hope. yeah there's hope and i know that i'm sure texans fans have watched enough tape they've watched that georgia iowa state game they've convinced <laughs> themselves they've convinced themselves yeah. that cj stroud was actually the steal of the draft was, That's
0: probably where that tape is most popular is in Houston rather than even Columbus, yeah. Ohio
1: or or Athens, Georgia. <laughs> so you go to the comments and it's like mostly Texans fans. I always love the comments that are like, like like if you're here because the Texans drafted CJ Stroud. Like it's it's gonna be all Texans fans. Like they're they're watching that. They're convincing themselves we got a steal. This guy should have gone number one and. You know, to be frank, the Texans have had so many top picks, and it's not that they haven't panned out, but maybe just careers haven't gone the way the the fans had hoped. Jadevion Clowney was one. Carr way back when. I mean, it seems like the Texans have a top pick almost every year. I remember them getting Mario Williams and not knowing who he was, and of course, he had a he had a pretty good career. But anyway, Houston, that fan base, they've got to be just fueling themselves with hopium right now because for them to be number 14 with the lack of success that's got to be a fan base that is just perennially almost delusional convincing themselves that this next guy is going to be the one that that turns things around okay quick update on the numbers so the
0: the texans entered the league in 2002 so 20 years of history they've actually had six playoff appearances so it's very sparse at the very beginning and then has really fallen
1: off the last four years. Have but they won playoff games?
0: I don't know if they've won a playoff game. I'm just looking I just, at
1: like, I don't remember watching the Texans play a meaningful game ever in my life. No.
0: And I think that's fair. And again, it, it speaks to it speaks to the the relative talent that has been on that roster and sort of the iconic talent and the iconic seasons. It just hasn't been there. But very solid football market. And, and again, you know, think this through. If the Houston Oilers were still there? Oh, yeah. Different story. You know? Different story. Okay, yeah, Doug. And I,
1: th- I think the Texans, like, it's kind of crazy sitting there at 14. It's like, where would they be if – I know it's adjusted for success, mm-hmm. but it, there's still part of me. It's like if they ever did have success, it seems like that might be, a, a, you know, an opportunity. Like that market is massive. And that kind of a sleeping giant, if you will, where you've got this fan base that apparently is very hungry for great football and has been for some time. If they ever are great, we might see something where they kind of make some noise beyond these rankings, where people are starting to say this is a this is a pretty awesome fan base.
0: I mean, it, Doug, it might be a could be a Cowboys effect in here as well, right? That- yeah you know, the point of pride that Houston's going to celebrate and support their football team because Dallas has nothing on them perhaps. Okay. And number 13, this is one I don't have to say much about the New York football giants 13. That's got to be a little bit disappointing. Now I'll give you one. I'll give you a couple of numbers here. So the Giants on social media following, and again, you know, this is all adjusted for population and, and team success. Giants have eight point two million followers on social. And this is just this is a primitive metric of just adding things up across Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But that's in between Denver at seven point nine and Seattle at nine point three. And you got to remember, this is a New York team, right? So twenty million people in the metro area. And a franchise with a good amount of history. Mm -hmm. Okay, defend your giants, Doug. I just want to start by saying... This is where
1: the personal kicks in, right? I recently met a young lady from New Jersey. And I asked her what she enjoyed doing for fun. And she said that on Sundays in the fall, she enjoys getting upset. About the Giants disappointing her—that's <laughs> her number one hobby—and I was like, "That is a good fan right there." Like that—that's the first thing she thinks of when I ask her, "What do you do for fun?" I—I I get upset my, when I watch my team make boneheaded decisions and lose games. It feels like they should win, but I think that's how a lot of sports fans feel. I think that sums it up pretty well. But yeah, the Giants fan base—I mean, having been to a game in the Old Meadowlands. It's a special one. You got a lot of accents. I can't do the accent. I wish I could. Just the, kind of the classic New Yorkers, a whole stadium full of them that love that team. And it's really unique. I mean, as a as someone from that's not from the area, i would never been to a sporting event where, you know, every person in the stadium has this thick accent and they're all so passionate about this team, but they're also kind of like jaded. Like not... Not like how a Lions fan would be, but I don't know, Giants fans are, to me, of course, I am a Giants fan, so they're a special bunch, but 13 seems a little low, especially for the history of the franchise, the Super Bowls, you know, maybe it's like the fact that a lot of their Super Bowl teams have been more defensive oriented and like the quarterbacks, you know. Their iconic quarterbacks, I mean, as a
0: New York Giants football fan, are you going to be upset what I'm about to say? Your iconic quarterbacks are pretty average.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the perception of the Giants. And I mean, to be honest, like as a fan, and I know people forget about this because Eli Manning's like, everybody loves that guy now. He was not liked in New York for years until he won a Super Bowl. He was kind of like the reason the Giants weren't winning Super Bowls in the eyes of fans and I mean, most fans. You didn't. And I remember being one of those fans that felt like, you know, do we need to move on? Why don't we, why don't we, you know, we're kind of stuck in this situation with this guy. And in hindsight, I love Eli. I have his Jersey. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan, but people forget, like he was perceived as mediocre for a very long time. And there's people that still think that I don't, I think if you look at what he did across his career, it was pretty phenomenal. And people will say, well, it's because of those defenses. I mean, there's no getting around the way he played in some of the heroic acts in those Super who's Bowls. The, but-
0: who's the iconic New York, giant, New York football giant player, Doug?
1: Lawrence Taylor. Thank you.
0: <laughs> hey, you were thinking i was going to say
1: like saquon barkley or something oh, i was genuinely curious if that what the generational
0: differences and you know what, what yeah you i think
1: to, everyone right? knows i think everyone knows it's Lawrence taylor maybe a little bit younger than me they might say eli manning though simply because his presence i mean beyond football you know eli's hosted saturday night live like he's been he's become a, a presence outside of football and i don't know if Lawrence taylor had as much of that
0: I mean, in, in, a fun, in a way, it's kind of funny that, that he comes in ahead, that Eli's
1: team comes in ahead of Peyton's team and all of this in sort well, of I, a mark study. I was really proud of the fact that Eli had more Super Bowls than Peyton <laughs> until Peyton had to ring chase and go to Denver, which to me, it's like, does that really count? I feel like that team would have won a Super Bowl with Tim Tebow at quarterback, but that's another story. That would have been a great season.
0: Okay. <laughs> at number 12, this is another one that frankly surprises me. We've got the Carolina Panthers, okay? And so I don't think of the Carolina Panthers as NFL football royalty in any way, shape, or form. I think when you dig into the data, (coughs) that's part of the story is that they did real well when Cam Newton was in his heyday in terms of social media. But the Panthers last year were ninth in attendance. That was a bad team. Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. So part of my speculation, and again, you know, some of the – I'll speculate and I'll admit when I don't know – I'll admit what I don't know. I wonder if this is just, again, sort of a football crazy part of the country, SEC adjacent perhaps, a growing mar- – I mean there's, there's a lot that suggests – you know, a lot of North Carolina is sort of like Atlanta, a lot of transplants coming into, into the southern market. But – you know, it could also be a matter of that there aren't other well established pro football teams. The SEC is just to the south. Maybe some of it bleeds over, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a surprising one to me with the Panthers at 12. But again, you know, and you know, think about who's about to arrive there, you know, and a lot of these top quarterback prospects do not work out, but perhaps this is a, this is an opportunity. This is an interesting market, so a place where fandom might be relatively special going forward.
1: Yeah, I think that everyone I know who is a Panthers fan is a transplant or my brother. My brother just randomly, when we were five and decided who our teams were going to be, <laughs> he <laughs> picked the Panthers and he's been a lifelong Panthers fan for real. But everyone I know that's, that's a Panthers fan other than him is a transplant. And uh, that city, for whatever reason, has done a better job at converting their transplants than almost any other city I can think of I don't know very many people who moved to Atlanta from another state, particularly from another state that has a team and became a Falcons fan. I don't know people. I mean, I I look down the list of teams that we have and it's like, well, I've never lived in Green Bay. I have no idea. I imagine it would be pretty good there, like New England or or Philadelphia or something like that. But, you know, a lot of these teams. You'll know people who live in the state or live in the city and they're pulling for another team. I think like the city of Los Angeles, for example, because we've talked about the Rams, we've talked about the Chargers. I would imagine, and I would love to see the statistic here, I would imagine there are more fans in the city of Los Angeles of opposing football teams than there are of the Chargers or the Rams. Carolina is nothing like that. Everyone I know, and I know people who were diehard Washington football fans who moved from D.C. to Charlotte, and partially because of the situation in Washington, partially because of the appeal of the Panthers, became <clears throat> Panthers fans. And so they are converting their transplants unlike any other team, and I think that's a big part of why they're so highly ranked for. This is the, this is the highest ranked, like quote-unquote, new football team. They've they, they don't have a long history and they have I think one Super Bowl, if if I'm not mistaken. I know they lost that one with Cam Newton and I believe they played in another one with Jake Delome. Yeah, I lost they've lost two Super Bowls. Oh they lost both of those. Okay. So so no Super Bowls sitting at twelve, you know, in pretty elite company. I mean ahead of a ahead of a franchise like the Giants that has this history and that has a bunch of trophies. I've seen them in person, and a major market. Like that's pretty impressive. They're doing something right over there. Well, at number eleven,
0: number eleven again. Like I said, I, I, I'm kind of getting repetitive here about how interesting all of these are. Number eleven. My initial thought when I see the the ranking here is, why did the Sonics leave? Okay, Still you know that's yeah. That. Mark, That Seattle market, I think, was sort of a sleepy backwater for a long time. But and again, you you mentioned this idea that some markets do better with transplants than other markets. Seattle, I think, has done phenomenally well with creating new fans. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of money and a lot of tech money that's flown into Seattle. I don't think Seattle was a great sports market, but Seattle is a tremendous sports market across the NFL, across soccer. You know, I mean, Seattle is a crazy sports market to the point where the idea of moving from the Seattle market to Oklahoma City in hindsight is one of the craziest things you can imagine a team ownership doing. So we've got the
1: Seahawks at number 11. I still have no idea what they were thinking. And I think if the Seattle Sonics with the fan base they had intact, had they had those teams with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden they might have one of the top fan bases in the NBA at this point with, with the success they likely would have had. I think if they'd kept, yeah, I think that's, I think that's dead on in terms of how that market has ex- exploded and sort of the youthfulness of the sports fans. And I think it's a matter of time before the NBA moves back to Seattle. It's just, that's a huge mistake in my opinion, that they're never, they're never going to get it back. They're never, I mean, they lost that momentum and these great years of sports in Seattle, but the Seahawks having visited their stadium, I, I remember being there. I did a tour of the stadium, and by the end of it, I was like, "Why did I choose the Giants?" Like, you know, it's like I'm married to the Giants, but the Seahawks came into play, and I'm like, "Wow, this is a this is a really cool thing they got going here." The whole twelfth man culture. That stadium is unbelievable. You can see the skyline right behind it. It's cut open. It, it feels like you're in a pirate ship of sorts, and then it's. It's got little like roofing where it's outdoors, but it it maintains a lot of the noise and part of why it's so loud in there, you know, notorious for having caused earthquakes (laughs) on the Richter scale during the Marshawn Lynch run back. But I mean, phenomenal fan base. It's one where the fans probably look at this list and feel like we're definitely higher just purely based off of loudness. I mean, these other teams don't have the 12th man like we do. So, I and I understand where they're coming from there. I think it's a special fan base. I think it's, you know, I like like everything about Seattle. And I'll say this. I did an internship in Portland when I was in college. And the Seattle Seahawks, they're not just the football team of Seattle. They're not just the football team of the state of Washington. They're the football team of the Pacific Northwest. Everyone in Portland pulls for the Seattle Seahawks. Anyone that watches football, I will say. And so that's something interesting to think about. What other football teams are in that region of the country? You look at the surrounding states, there's nothing. And so they kind of have a monopoly on that area and are more of a Pacific Northwest team than a Seattle team. Seattle is already a massive market, by the way.
0: Okay, a couple of numbers to sort of wrap up the, the Seahawks. When you look at the retired numbers for the franchise, Kenny Easley, Walter Jones, Steve Largent, Cortez Kennedy, but also number 12, the fans going to your point that they've really embraced that. In terms of recent success, they've missed the playoffs only five times in the last 20 years, Doug. But only one Super Bowl in the franchise history. So, it's an amazing market that probably just hasn't had the you know it, it hasn't had the sustained success and it hasn't had those truly iconic figures. I mean, the the, the quarterback for this franchise is clearly Russell Wilson. But I'm not sure that he ends up on that same page as, you know, some of the other guys that, and we're about to hear a bunch of those names as we get to the top ten.
1: Yeah, and Russell Wilson, I feel like his later career years are affecting Tarnished. his tarnishing his long term perception. It's like if he had retired after, out of Seattle, he's thought of as this. <laughs> Elite guy, and now it's like, especially seeing Geno Smith have success in that system last year, a guy who didn't have success anywhere else, and hey. Russell Wilson not have success in Denver. Seattle exemplifies the fact that coaching
0: matters. Pete Carroll's, yeah. you know, Pete Pete Carroll probably doesn't get it. He's like probably West Coast Belichick at this point in yeah. terms of his,
1: the college yeah.
0: and the level.
1: Yeah, and I think that Russell Wilson, you know, being your all time great quarterback, I mean, Hasselback was pretty good too. But Russell Wilson, I don't know how his legacy goes down. We'll see how his career ends. But some of these guys, it's like it'd be better for them to pull a Tiki Barber and retire kind of in their prime than to play to the point of just not even being a good player anymore. And it's like people forget that you ever were a great player. You see that all the time in the NBA with these older I remember Shaq playing for like the Celtics and the Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns and it's like he kind of became a I don't know caricature of himself or it's, it's this big lumbering guy but he didn't have the athleticism and dominance and the younger generations probably don't understand when they're comparing guys like Jokic or Embiid they don't understand what they're really comparing against because prime Shaq was a different player and I think that goes that's the same with Russell Wilson and and Seahawks fans also probably aren't super thrilled that he left. And so I think that there's his whole reputation is just totally tarnished this last year.
0: Okay, we're going to wrap it there. So more content at www.fandomanalytics.com.